This is a Coastal Community Church podcast. For more information about Coastal Community Church, please visit coastalcommunity.tv. Hey, my name is TJ, and I'm glad you're here. I'm one of the pastors here at Coastal, and uh, we've been in this series called Religion Bites, and we've been talking through the book of Galatians, just talking about the fact that if you've ever been around some religious people, you've been around a religious group, you find out that, man, it, it really does bite. I mean, it's just not cool. It's just not a good thing, and so we've been diving in. We've been talking about that over the last couple of weeks, and we're going to continue today, and, and kind of the title of today's message is, Are You a Slave? or are you a son? And then, um, you know, we're going to be taking a look at Galatians chapter 4. If you want to go ahead and turn in your Bible to Galatians chapter 4, that's where we're going to be hanging out today. If you didn't bring a Bible, you can go ahead and take a look at the screen. You can open up your worship guide, and inside there you'll find some notes. Uh, you can use those if you, if you don't have your Bible, or you can take out your smartphone if you're technologically advanced. And up in the top right-hand corner is what we call a QR code, and you can take out your phone, and with your QR code reader, if you have that on your iPhone, your Android or whatever mobile device you have, you can scan that and it'll bring up notes in, in a program called Uversion. You can follow along there. It'll be a really, really, really great time. I promise you that. So growing up, I, I kind of had an interesting childhood. My parents were very entrepreneurial and uh, growing up, my, my mom, she owned restaurants and bars. And as a kid, that was always kind of a cool thing because, you know, you when you go to a nice restaurant or you go to a place, you know, there's, there's always kind of the back areas where it's for the employees only. And I remember being a kid and because my mom owned the restaurants or she owned the, the bars that we had, you know, there was always privileges as being the, the son of an owner of an establishment, right? Because you could do things and get away with things that nobody else could get away with. And so every time I would go into a restaurant, you know, there'd, I would wait until it'd get really crowded and really full and I'd be sitting at a table and I would get up and I would walk to the door that was like for the back area, for the kitchen area. And I'd wait to make sure that everybody could see me and they'd be like, like, what, what is that kid doing? And then I'd push open the door and go back there and walk around like I owned the place because I was a son of the owner. And so that was, that was a really cool thing for me as a kid. I, I like to make sure that I would do that. And, and as I was growing up, I decided, man, I, this is cool. And so I started helping out my mom. My mom started giving me little jobs. And so my job was, as a kid, was I was the guy that would go in there. And when people would get done eating their food, I would grab the plates and I would scrape it in the trash. I mean, that's a pretty important job if you're in the the food industry. You know, somebody has got to scrape the plates to make sure that they get clean before they go into the dishwasher, right? Y'all don't want like some caked on uh, something that you're going to eat later on in the next meal from the meal before. I mean, that was just nasty. And so, you know, that was an important job. And I became really, really good at it. I mean, I could scrape a plate better than anybody you've ever seen in your life. And so, I mean, I'm like seven or eight years old, and I started looking around, and I said to myself, you know what? I'm pretty dang good at this. You know what? My mom should hire me. And so I went to my mom, and, and I said, Mom, you know what? You should hire me to be on your staff, because there is not anybody in this place that can scrape a plate as good as I can. Nobody else can get it prepared to be washed by that dishwasher like I can. And so, and so my mom's like, okay, well, and you know, it's illegal for her to hire me. I didn't really realize that at the time. You know, you can't hire an eight-year-old to work at your business. Uh, you know, the government just is not fond of that. But anyways, I thought that I was an employee. And so, you know, I got the apron, I got the outfit and everything. And, and I was scraping the plates and, and she was paying me, she was paying me a dollar an hour. 
Um, you know, that was, that was, I was, I was making big time, man. I remember I worked an entire summer one year. So I, at the end of that summer, I could buy a pair of Air Jordan shoes. I mean, that was, that was the extent of my summer work. I worked every day, hours and hours. And at the end of the summer, I could afford a pair of Nike Air Jordans. I mean, that was, I was pretty stupid as a kid. That was not good spending habits. But I remember getting to that point where I started realizing, you know what, man, I'm good at this. And she started hiring me. And as I became an employee there, all of a sudden, the expectations started to rise. You know, I, I started looking at other people who scraped plates and I, and I noticed that they didn't scrape it as fast as I did. And, and I realized that they were getting paid more money than I was. And that, that just did not seem right that she would pay somebody more than, the, the, than me. And I was much better at this. And all of a sudden I started looking in and started seeing what other people were doing and started comparing myself. And all of a sudden I was playing this game where, where I was trying to do better and wondering if I was doing enough and, and was I meeting her expectations and was I making it the grade? Was I doing it to par level? And before long, I'm sitting here playing the comparison game. And instead of just being my mom's son, all of a sudden I was, she was my employer and our relationship in my mind started to change. I started thinking, man, am I really doing everything that I'm supposed to be doing? Is she, is she proud of me? Am I reaching the levels that I'm supposed to be reaching? And everything changed. It changed in my mind, but in her mind, I was still her son. It didn't really matter how well I scraped a plate or how much I worked back there. I was always going to be your son, but because the expectations change, our relationship in my mind completely changed. And that is what is happening here in the book of Galatians. The, the parallel to that story, the parallel to what is happening is the same thing. All of a sudden, Paul has come in and he's told the Galatians who are, who are Gentiles about Jesus and how they could be a son and how that relationship was coming in. And lo and behold, after he's coming to this, they've experienced this freedom of being sons of Jesus these Judaizers come in and said, well, that, that's, that's not all that there is. There's a little bit more to it. You need to not just know Jesus, but you need to also adhere to the law and you need to follow these customs and you need to be circumcised. And they said, it's Jesus plus all of this stuff. And it started changing the dynamics of the relationship. And what happened is, is they started adding all this stuff and they went from being free to getting themselves in the back into the bondage of religion. They started getting themselves back into this place that they were at before where they were trying to, to make sure that they were earning it, to make sure they were doing enough good stuff to qualify themselves in their mind to make sure that they were gonna be accepted by God. And if you're taking notes here today, the, the first point that I want us to really understand and get today is that religion makes you a slave. Religion makes you a slave. It brings you into bondage. It takes you from that place where you're, you're a child of God and all of a sudden it starts to enslave you. And Galatians 4, 3 says this, we were in slavery under the basic principles of this world. It says, man, we were in bondage. We were, we were in bondage to the world. Colossians 2, 8 says this, see to it that no one else takes you captive. See to it that nobody else makes you a slave. And then it says through, through the basic principles of this world, rather than on Christ. In other words, we've got a choice in life. We will either be a child of God through Jesus Christ, or we will be a slave to the principles 
of this world. And so many times there's this battle going on within us. Are we going to be a child of God or are we going to be a slave to principles that held us in bondage in life? And in your notes, I've lifted some of the principles of, the, of this world. And, and we think about these things and we think these things that we got to do these things in order to please God. In order to please God, I, I, we, we, think to, we think to ourselves, I've got to do more. I've got to do more, man. I've got to have more done. And, it, and it is, is what I have done enough? Probably not. And so, man, I, I need to read my Bible more. I need to pray more. I need to attend church more. I need to go to Bible studies more. I, I need to do more. And whatever I've done, it just never, ever seems to be enough for us because we're continuously trying to please God by doing more. And if, if we do get into that trap, if we fall into that trap, it leads us to, I have to do this. Man, I have to go to church. I have to give 10%. I have to have big blue hair and I have to carry a big red Bible and I have to do this and I have to do that. And I always have to be doing these things. And if I'm not doing those things, then I'm not living up to the expectations that are set before me. I'm not living up to the principles of this world. And the flip side of that is, is that I can't do that. You know what? I can't date that person. I can't wear those clothes. I can't wear lipstick, especially lipstick that is the color of the devil, red. You know, I can't do these things. And we start thinking to ourselves, man, there's all these rules and all these regulations, all these standards and, and all these religious principles. And they tell us, man, I can't do this and I have to do this and I, I have to get, do more in life. And we start living in those things. And Paul came in and he said, listen, 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 guys, that is not the way. Listen, there is nothing that you can do to be good enough through the law to get yourself into heaven. There's nothing that you can do to be good enough to, to make yourself one with God and, and experience a life that you want. But it's only going to be through a relationship in Jesus Christ, man. If you try to live in those principles of this world and you try to, to do enough good stuff to get to heaven, you're going to fail every single time. And, and Paul was trying to convince the Galatian church of this, but yet the Judaizers, they were coming in and they were saying, man, man, we realize that you're Gentiles. And if you want to know Christ, if you want to experience Christ the way that you're supposed to experience Christ, then you're going to have to adopt our Jewish traditions because Jesus was a Jew. And so therefore you have to be Jewish. And so you're going to have to take on our customs and you're going to have to get circumcised. And they were putting all this stuff on these guys. It kind of reminds me of two young boys that are 12 years old and they were talking and, and one of the boys uh, was saying, man, I'm, I'm really, I'm really freaking out, man. This this week, my parents told me I have to go get circumcised. And the other guy's like, man, I feel really bad for you. And he's like, why is that? And he's like, man, I was, I was circumcised before. And it's, man, it was, it was a bad thing. He's like, really? He's like, yeah, when I was eight days old, I got circumcised. And it was so bad and it was so painful. And it messed me up so much that I could not walk for a year, bro. For those of you guys that don't get that, you can ask your neighbor later. They'll explain that to you. But, man, Paul was saying, man, to be right with God is not Jesus plus circumcision or Jesus plus customs or Jesus plus any of this stuff. It was Jesus plus nothing. And religion makes you a slave if we don't watch out for what's happening. The second thing, if you're taking notes, is relationship makes you a son of God. 
Now, it's, it's not making you the son of God. That would be Jesus. It's making you a son of God. And, and for all of you guys out there, you think, oh man, this is very gender specific. This is not, the context of this is not gender specific. It's very, uh, it's, it's for men or women. It's not just doing it in the masculine form. That's just how the Bible was written. It was in that masculine form for all people groups. But he's not, he's not a, just a, a one sex deal. It's, it's talking about male and female. And it says in Galatians 4, 4 and 5, it says, but when the time had fully come, God sent his son with capital S, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive full rights of sons, lowercase s, sons. It says we were redeemed so that you and I might be sons. Now, what does that word redeem mean there? In the, in the original Greek, it means to ransom, to purchase, to set free. It says, man, there was a price that was paid and that price that was paid for our sins and our shame and all the things that have been bad in our lives that have kept us from right relationship with God was the blood of the shed lamb of Jesus Christ who, who died and rose again so that we could have life and we could have it more abundantly. And that shed blood was the redeeming purchase price for our sin. It was the, the innocent paying for the guilty. And because he paid for that, because he paid for our debt of sin, all of a sudden, because that debt has paid, God has now taken us as debtors and sinners and we're once slaves to those things. And all of a sudden, when we realize the gift that God has given us, he redeems us. He adopts us into his family. He brings us into his family so that we are no longer a slave, but we are son. The problem is, is that many of us haven't realized that we are no longer slaves and we have not realized yet that we are called to be sons. And when we fall into that trap, it just jacks us up. And there's a big difference between a slave and a son. And the first thing that we need to understand is a slave is driven by duty in life. Man, a slave is just driven by this idea that I must perform. I've got to do this and, and I have to do that. And we think, man, it's all about what what we can do in life. But yet the, the opposite of that is the son is driven by devotion. He's driven out of love. He's driven out of the opportunity. And that opportunity that God has given us changes everything in life. It changes everything. And I don't know if you guys know much of the, the history of Fort Lauderdale, but, but as we were moving here to plant a church, people were saying to us, why do you want to plant a church in Fort Lauderdale? That makes no sense whatsoever. We moved here just almost three years ago now to, to move here and decide to do something different and plant a church and, and do all this stuff. And people were like, why would you want to go to Fort Lauderdale to plant a church? You know, I mean, it's, it's a pretty ungodly place. And as I started doing my, my research and all the things about this area, it wasn't always that way. In fact, during the 60s through the 80s, man, this was an extremely religious place. I mean, there was, this was kind of like the mecca for a lot of churches looking to leadership through some of the mega churches that were here that were pillars in their community. I mean, a lot of things were started out of this area. In fact, there was a really, really large religious contingent here in Fort Lauderdale. And what, what they didn't realize that was happening is that they weren't, follow, they weren't creating people who had a relationship with God. They're creating a 
group of people that became very religious. And what we don't realize is that when we don't have a relationship with God and all we have is a religion that we're following, it causes us to always have an undercurrent of sin in our lives. And that's one of the reasons why God called us here and said, man, you're going to plant a church that's not about a whole bunch of rules and regulations, but it's about people understanding and knowing and realizing that, man, they have direct access to God, that they can have a relationship with God that will totally transform and infuse their lives so they can know him and know him greatly. And what happened is, is because there was all this religious nature, because there was all this religious stuff, people got so caught up in the rules and regulations and this undercurrent of sin happens when there's all these rules and regulations that today we're one of the most lost communities that there is because when rules and regulations are put on us, what do we naturally do? We rebel, right? We do the opposite thing. If your mom tells you to go do something, what do you do? You turn around and you do the opposite thing. You as parents know that because your kids do it all the time. And it's frustrating because we are naturally rebellious. And what happens is, is when we get caught up in all these rules and all these regulations and have tos and have nots and can dos and cannots, we want to rebel from those things. And what's happened is, is we've ended up getting this form of God, but yet really missing them. It's a lot like going to the doctor's during flu season. And what do they do? They inoculate you with the flu, right? You get inoculated. They give you just enough of the flu that you get a little bit of it so that your body becomes resistant to it. And so many of us, that's what happens in our lives. We get just enough of God that we look the part, we speak the Christianese, we know what to say. We have all the outside looking good and we have a form of godliness, but we're far from God because we're doing all the things that look good on the outside and we're fooling everybody else. But the reality is we're even fooling ourselves. We're fooling ourselves because we're doing things out of duty rather than devotion. And I love what, what, what John 14, 15 says. And Jesus was saying this. And, and for so long, my perception of this verse, if you guys want to throw it up on the screen, my perception of this verse was, was this. If you love me, you will do what I command. That was my perception of how Jesus spoke that, you know. He was doing it out of duty, man. Man, if you got love, you're going to follow everything I say. And for so long, I was, I was doing my relationship with God out of duty, not out of, not out of this, this devotion to him. And when I really started looking at this verse, and I really started looking at the context of what it was, Jesus was saying, man, you know what? If you love me, it's going to be easy for you to want to do what I, what I intend for you to do. It's like this, because I love my wife, I don't want to go sleep with other women because that might hurt my relationship with her. I don't not sleep with other women because it's a rule. I do it out of relationship because I want to have a good relationship with my wife. And then when we get that, it changes everything. When we get that our relationship with God isn't done out of duty, we're not becoming slaves. But when we're doing it out of devotion, man, our response to God isn't like, God, man, I've got to go to church this week or I've got to read my Bible or I've got to pray. It's, man, guys, I get to go worship God at church, man. I get to have an encounter with God daily in his word and he's going to speak to me. And, and everything changes because we're not doing it out of, man, this is a have to in life, but this is a get to in life. And what he's saying is he's saying, man, the slave is driven by duty, but a son is driven by devotion. Another, another way that the, the, the difference we can look at it is this, is the slave is poor. A slave owns nothing in life. In fact, he works for the one who owns everything. But the son, the son, he's rich. 
And because he's a son, he has access to every single thing that the father owns. I mean, it's all his. Check out Galatians 4, 7. It says, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. He's saying, man, you're no longer a slave, but now you are a son. You inherit everything that the father has. And because you are a son, man, you can go directly to your father and talk to him. That's why the Bible says, man, we can go boldly before the throne of grace and obtain mercy and find grace in our time of need. You know, want to know why? Because we're a son. It says that, that our father will meet all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. You want to know why? Because we're a son. He says, man, that we have a loving father who cares for us and loves us and has adopted us and has taken us in as one of his own. Want to know why? Because we are sons and daughters of the most high. And when we start to get that in life, when we start to realize that, man, we are an heir to the throne, it changes everything. And God, man, he loves us. Let's just say hypothetically, I, I don't have kids, but let's just say I had kids. And, and that would be really cool if I had some kids. And you decided to have your son come over to our house and we were having a pool party and, and he was playing with my son and, and they were outside and they were, they were, because they were playing around, they were getting hungry. And I decided I was gonna go in and make some peanut butter and jelly sandwiches because all kids that are young love peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And I made these two sandwiches, but right before I was going to get ready to go outside, I dropped one of those sandwiches on the ground and it kind of fell in some dirt and stuff, you know, because my house isn't very clean because it's like a kids, you know, and your house just is never clean if you got kids, right? Can't get an amen from all the parents. You know, your house is always a mess. And so I pick up that sandwich and I put it back on the plate. Which sandwich do you think I'm going to give your kid? Darn straight. I like your kid, but I love my kid. I'm going to give my kid the best sandwich. I'm going to give my kid the clean sandwich. Your kid's going to get the dirty sandwich. He's probably going to get sick. Why? Because I'm always going to give the best to my kids. And God is no different, man. He is always looking to give the best to his kids, man. He's looking for the opportunity as a father to make sure that they have the best opportunities in life, that they have the best things going before them because he's adopted us as his heirs and wants the best things for us. See, a slave is driven by duty, but a son uh, is, is going from devotion. And a son, uh, a slave is poor, but the son is rich. And I realized this so much because when we were living in Bradenton, my wife and I, she worked this, this corporate job and, and she was selling golf memberships and she was selling real estate in this community and working for this huge developer. And, and she sold a whole bunch of stuff to this family that, that was named the Kims. And they were from um, South Korea, not North Korea. They weren't like communists and bombing people or anything. They were from South Korea. And I'm trying to preface that because you'll understand here in a minute. And, uh, and so they, they, they were talking with her one day and they found out that, that, that I was on staff at a church and that we were doing ministry together and stuff. And they're like, oh man, can we take you guys out to dinner? And my wife was like, that's kind of weird. I don't normally, you know, mix my, the, the work life with everything else, but that's cool. And we decided to go to dinner with this couple and, and this couple was just super, super cool. I mean, they were, they were an older couple. He was an investment banker, which growing up is what I wanted it to be. I thought, man, I just want to go out and rule the world and have all the money in the world. And that would be a really cool profession. Um, and so like, I was really intrigued by this guy and was asking him all kinds of questions. And at the end of the night, they, this couple was in like their, their late seventies. And they're like, you know what? 
we just like you guys so much. We're going to adopt you. And we're like, okay, that's kind of weird. You're Korean. We're white. I don't know that that's going to work. But, uh, and they're like, yeah, yeah. And so they, this was a second or third home for them. And so every time they would come in town, they would bring these like elaborate gifts to us. And we'd be like, why are you bringing us this stuff? And, and they would bring like, I remember they brought me this shirt from Nordstrom. And I was like, it didn't fit. And I took it back and it was like a $300 shirt. And I was like, who buys a $300 shirt for somebody? And so I took it back and, you know, bought 17 different things instead of just getting that shirt. Because I mean, $300, that's a lot of flow. And, uh, and, and come to find out, we're building this relationship with them. And, and their parents happen to be, or, or the, the woman's brother happens to be the president of South Korea. I mean, these are like really influential and extremely uh, large uh, people in the world scale. I mean, they're, they're just incredible. And, and, and so, man, we've just built this relationship with them and they just started adopting us and bringing us all these elaborate things. And I remember this one, this one time, right before we were getting ready to move here, um, they had found out that they'd missed Shayla's birthday and they were so upset. And, and we were getting ready to actually move down here like the next day. And they tracked us down and, and, and they're like, we have a card for you. And, and they gave it to Shayla and, and they said, man, we just wanted to give you a happy birthday. And I was like, man, that's, that's kind of weird. You know, you could have just sent it in the mail or whatever. And, uh, and so they go away and, you know, of course you wait till they leave to open it up. Cause you're like, man, maybe it's like a hundred dollars. That would be awesome. And, um, you know, we're poor. So a hundred dollars is like, we could eat for a month on that. And, uh, and so I remember she opens it up and inside there, it says, happy birthday, daughter. And there's $2,000. And we called him up and we're like, man, we cannot accept this. You know, this is just, this is way too extravagant. We just don't feel comfortable. They're like, you're our kids. You don't get it. We love our kids and you're our kids. We've adopted you. And when I realized in this natural world what adoption was like for them, how much greater is it from our Father in heaven who loves us so much that he sent his son that he would give it all up for us? I mean, $2,000 is, is, is minuscule compared to somebody giving up their life for you. And he says, man, you can have all the riches in this world. And we've got to understand, man, that a slave to things is poor, but a son is extremely, extremely rich. And that, the third thing there is a slave has a master. He is someone who's watching over you, who's making sure that you're doing right, and they're punishing you if you don't. But the son, they have a father. And that changes everything because a child, the way that they relate to their father, just is so different. And I know some of you guys, maybe you've had a poor relationship with your father or you've grown up fatherless, and you say to yourself, I have no idea what that's even like. Let me just tell you, man, God is a, is a loving father. He'll go from the one of the end of the earth to the next end of the earth to try to meet and take care of every single one of your needs. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he never changes, and he will always be there, and he will always be faithful, and he will always show up, and he will always come through because that's the kind of father he is. See, his love, just like we sang earlier, your love, his love never fails us. His love is so great and it's so, it's so unbelievable that it never fails us. And it's so hard for us to, to understand this. But the best way that I can relate to it is growing up, my parents, 
you know, they were very, very successful business owners. And, and as they were building businesses, they happened to get into uh, network marketing, which, which whether you like it or not, it was, it was a viable business for them. And they ended up becoming these huge um, people in network marketing. I mean, they were making almost a million dollars a year through network marketing. I mean, they're running the biggest Ponzi scheme in the world. That's how I looked at it. So, uh, but they would go and they would do these conventions and they were, they were at the top of their, or, their, their company and they were, they were winning awards all the time. Um, and I remember going to this convention as a kid and, and walking around with my stepdad. His name was George, and I love George, and, and he is my dad in life. I have two dads. My parents are divorced, but I, I, I'm just blessed with two dads. And I was walking around with, with George, and, and it was so funny because we'd go to these things, and there'd be 25, 30,000 people there, and I'd be hanging out with just hanging out with my dad. It's my dad. It's not, it's not George. And people would be like, oh, my God, this superstar. It's George. Gosh, look, it's George. And they would be going crazy over my dad. And, and, you know, they'd be like, oh, can we get your, they want his like autograph and stuff. It's just weird to me. And, and they would be going nuts over this guy. He'd go and speak and I guess he'd motivate people or whatever. I didn't really care. And I remember this one time this lady was going crazy and she was like, what's it like to be, to be George's son? What's it like to, to live in his presence all the time? And I was like, I, I don't know who you're talking about. This is just my dad. Living with my dad is awesome. The guy you're talking about, I don't know who that is. I just know who my dad is. And that's exactly what God is like, man. He's, he's like, he's not just this superstar. He's just our dad. He's not our master. He's not there tasking and lording over us. He's just there to love us. And God wants us to relate to him that he's our heavenly daddy, Galatians 4, 7 says this, because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out Abba, Father. And that word Abba there is an Aramaic word. And it literally means daddy or papa. It says, man, we cry out to God as our heavenly papa or our heavenly daddy. And the sad thing is, is that a lot of people, man, we have, we have experienced this freedom and this love that our heavenly father has, but yet we've gone back and we've traded it in for the old way of life. We've traded in being this child of God and we step back into this religious nature of rules and regulations and being slave and being a master to something that we can never live up to a standards. And you see people in Christianity like this all the time. In fact, you can go to churches and you'll, you'll see them. It looks like they've got done sucking on lemons. They got that stank face and they're angry and they've lost their joy and they have no peace in their life. And they'll, they'll walk in, they'll be like, why are these dang visitors here sitting in my seat? You know, and they get upset about that or they come into a parking lot and they see cars, the, the parking lot's full and they're mad that they got to walk because they've lost out and they've gotten all filled with these rules and these regulations and they've become all about being a master and they're mad that the, the church is growing and, and they're mad that, that life isn't going how they think it should go in the way that everybody should be doing life. And they're missing out on the very nature of God, that God is creating freedom in people's lives so that we don't have to be bound up by rules and regulations. So we don't have to be a slave to anything so that we can be a son of a living and heavenly father that loves us so much. And there's a story about two sons that I think would relate to you and I. And it's found in Luke chapter 15. And there's these two sons and their father. And there's an older brother and there's a younger brother. And the younger brother comes to his father one day and says, you know what? I want my inheritance early. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was a father and I had kids and a kid came to me before I was dead and said that he wanted his inheritance, 
Like, we're going to have some words. And uh, because basically he's saying, like, dude, I, I appreciate you, but I want you dead right now, you know. Uh, and so why don't you kick the bucket so I can have my stuff? And so basically that's what this, this son is saying to his dad. And his dad, just wanting to relate to his son and wanting to have a good relationship with his son, goes ahead and divides up his portion of the inheritance and gives it to him. And the son says, peace out, you know, and he takes off and he, he goes and lives it up, man. He lives a lavish lifestyle. He goes off to a far land and he throws parties. He's like having the biggest raves and the biggest club scene he's ever seen in this world. He's got lights and girls and, and drugs and, and all that stuff going on. And, but before long, the money runs dry and all of a sudden his life is going in turmoil. And I'll tell you this, man, sin is fun for a moment. I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna lie to you. When I was sinning, man, it was fun. It was lots of fun. And if you've ever sinned, you know that most of the time it's a lot of fun at first. But it always has a price to pay. There is always a cost to that fun. And we don't realize it while we're in the midst of it. But on the backside, we're always like, dang, why did I make that mistake? It's like going out and getting drunk. And, and you wake up the next morning and you're like, who am, I, who am I waking up next to? And what did I do? And you've got this throbbing he headache. Last night was fun. But the next day when the repercussions of it come, you are really sick to your stomach and really sick about yourself and what you've done. And so the son is, is at that point, he realizes, man, my life is bad. In fact, he's run out of all of his wealth. He's run out of all of his inheritance. And he finds himself out there feeding pigs and, and thinking to himself, man, I can't even make enough money to feed myself. And he's feeding his pigs. And he starts to have these thoughts about, man, you know, the servants at my father's house, they have it so much better than me. And, and if we can get what he's about to say, if we can get this in our minds, if we can grasp the thought that he he has next, I promise you it will change your life. If we can make this a part of our life and make it like gospel truth to us, what he says will change our lives. And he says, I am not worthy. I want you all to say that real quick. Say, I am not worthy. Now, now actually like say it with some meaning. Say, I am not worthy. That's right. He says, I am not worthy. And listen, no matter how good you are, how good you try to do, no matter how much you work at life, no matter how, how much effort you put into it, you are never going to be good enough to deserve the love of God. You're never going to earn enough. You're never going to work hard enough. You're never going to achieve enough to be where you want to be. And that's what the son realized. If you're taking notes, it says, the son knows that he is not worthy. And he says in verse 19, he says, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. In other words, make me just like a slave. Make me just like a slave. I'm not good enough. Man, I'm all jacked up. There's nothing that I can do that can earn your love. And, 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 and the father is like, oh my gosh, my son finally gets it. My son has finally realized what I've wanted him to realize all along. Let's throw the biggest party in the world. You know, my son was lost, but now he's found. My son was gone, but now he's here. My son was dead, but now he is alive. My son finally gets that there is nothing that he can do that can deserve my love. And because he finally gets it, man, I'm going to give him all of my love. Now, on the flip side of that, there was another son, the older son, who was there the entire time, man. He was there. He was playing the game. He was looking the part. He knew all the lingo. He knew all the right things to say. But while he was there doing all the parts, he was inoculated with religion. He was missing out on the very thing that the father wanted to give the entire time. Because here's the thing about the second son, the slave who is really a slave, the slave falsely believes 
that he is worthy. He says, look what I've been doing in verse 29. He says, look, all these years I've been slaving. He says, man, I've been a son, but really I've just been a slave for you. I've just been following the rules and the regulations and for you and never disobeyed your orders. That's what he was looking at. He's looking at, listen, I did ABC. Listen, I've been keeping all the commandments. I've been keeping all the, the traditions, man. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I did all those things. I was, I was doing all the parts that I was supposed to do. I was obeying everything. I was, I was keeping up all the law. And he says, you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. He's saying, this isn't fair, man. I've done all the things, man. I've been, I've been keeping all those things up, man. Why isn't this happening to me? Why am I missing out on the party? Why am I not getting the party? Why am I not experiencing what you're there? I mean, I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And gosh darn it, people like me. I mean, he's just spewing all this stuff. And the father's just like, son, you're missing it. You're missing it. All of this stuff has been yours all along. But you've fallen back into the trap of rules and regulations and religion. And so many of us today, we've fallen back in that trap as well. We're thinking, man, if I could just do this or I can do that, if I was good enough, if I, was, if I said this the right way, if I read this this much, if I did all, and all those things, we're thinking, man, if I could just be there and, and we keep going back to the old way of, of life and, and God right now is trying to tell you, don't go back, don't go back, don't turn back, don't turn back to that old lifestyle. Don't go back to trying to be religious. Don't go back to all those rules and regulations. I mean, that's what the Bible says. As a dog returns to his vomit, so a fool returns to his volley, his folly. I mean, if a dog returns to vomit, that's pretty sick and that's pretty nasty. Imagine what a cat returns to. I mean, that's probably pretty, pretty gross as well. But we return to foolish things. It's, it's why Abraham, when the angels went to, to Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah and said, man, get out of here. Don't turn back. And Lot's wife, what did she do? She turned back and all of a sudden she turned to a pillar of salt. Man, God is saying, don't turn back. Don't go back to the old way. Paul didn't say, go back to the old way of life. He says, no, I don't go back, but I press on. I move forward towards the thing that God has for me, man. And today, you and I, we don't need to turn back to getting caught up in rules and regulations and religious activity. We need to start running to the arms of our loving Father. And we need to understand how great our Father's love for us is. And the Father's love, man, the older brother, he thought it was tied to performance. He thought it was tied to, to what he was doing. But what the younger brother learned is that it was tied to relationship. And today, it's not about what you can do. It's what, what God has already done. And he just wants to know you. He just wants to know you. Galatians 4, 8, 9 says, Formerly, when you did not know God, when you were stuck in the old way of living, you were slave to those who were by nature are not God's. But now that you know God, he's saying, but now that you have a relationship with God, or rather known by God, how is it that you're turning back to those weak and miserable principles? Why, he's saying, why would you ever go back to the old way of life? Do you wish to be enslaved to them all over again? God is saying to you, man, don't go back. The younger brother figured it out. He ran to the father and he didn't turn back. Don't turn back and try to work your way into heaven. Trust in the Father's love today. Trust in his unbelievable love for you and don't become enslaved. 
to trying to get it all right. Be, become in love with the Father. Let's pray. 